Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. Jesus, ready for the word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Psalm 23 and verse 6. Surely goodness. Somebody say goodness. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness. When you got up this morning, so did goodness and so did mercy. Some days you might wake up grumpy. You might wake up a little bit before goodness and mercy, but they're still going to follow you all the days of your life. If goodness is a characteristic of God, then I believe with all of my heart, and I believe the word's very clear, and we'll talk about it this morning, that we as people of faith should also walk in and with the goodness of God flowing out of our lives. I want to be a good guy. I want you to be a good guy. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a good guy. Now look at your another neighbor and say, you're a good lady. You know, yeah. Have you ever heard that term that I think is a great, I don't know if it's an Australianism, but I love it. You hear that term, don't be that guy. Have you ever met that guy? How many have ever met that guy? Give me a wave if you know, if you know that guy. I've met a few of them. None of them come to this church. Uh, you know, the, the guy that, that's always late. Have you ever met that guy? You meet up with him, but he's never on time. I hate having to meet with that guy. Because it's just never, you never know where he's going to be. Or you, that guy who never offers to pay and he always forgets his wallet. I know that guy. I believe I actually know him. What about the, the guy who can't keep a confidence? Have you ever, ever met him? He just tells secrets. Let me tell you about telling secrets to people just so you know. Everyone always tells someone. No matter how you you think your friend is going to keep a secret, they're always going to tell that one person, do not tell this. The guy who's got a new job every week. Or that guy who's always starting a new venture. The guy, that guy that gives you, or or girl or whoever, there's no personal space. Have you ever met that guy? Where you talk to them and they're, they're right there and you're like, say it, don't spray it. I want the news, not the weather, please. The guy who always bails on plans then blames his wife. I'm that guy. (laughs) That guy who has all the certificates in the world, but he he just won't get a job. He's got got his forklift certificate, his crane certificate, his concreting certificate, scaffolding certificate, library certificate. He's working on his cert four in childcare. That guy who always talks in the movies. Have you ever sat next to that guy? Yeah, hang around with that guy, the stingy guy, the guy that just bails on friendship. Or you, you want to be around. When you, when you think of some people and you just think of them, you just associate them with goodness. And I don't want to embarrass anyone today, but let me know there's a man in this church, been, he's one of the longest standing members of this church. 
There's a guy in this church called Bruce Donaldson, and I've seen him this morning, but I can't see him. Where is he? Is he in the, in the room? He's counting the offering. See? Good on him. <laughs> but Bruce, you just can't help but think Bruce and Cynthia. They're just good people. You just get around them, and you just think, man, it's just something, they're just good people. And, you know, I, I think I've met so many people that they'll tell you, I'm a prophet of God. They'll tell you what gift they have. I've got the gift of discernment. I've got the gift of this. I've got the gift of that. I've got the gift of this. I've got... Do you know, I think that to make an impact in the world and around, around and about us, I think if we would just say, God, help us be people who walk in the goodness of God. I, wanna, I just want to be a good guy because I want to represent God well. And I want to have a look here in the Word. Let's have a look at Acts chapter 11. If goodness is following us, I think goodness should come from us as well. The Bible's clear on that, and we'll have a look at this. Acts chapter 11, and I want to have a look at verse number 19. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. Some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene. And they'd come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to their ear, to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas. Somebody say Barnabas. To go as far as Antioch. Now, I love this. Verse 23. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them that with all purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. Verse 24, for he was a good man. Somebody say a good man. But he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, how many know Saul is Paul? And we know the story. He was killing Christians. He was a terrorist. And God got a hold of his life and redeemed him, brought him to Antioch. So it was that for the whole year they assembled, uh, sorry, for the whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Barnabas. His name was not actually Barnabas. That was his nickname. That's what they called him. His name was actually Joseph. And they called him Barnabas which means son of encouragement. He was a good man, but they didn't even call him his name anymore. They just called him encourager. They just called him, <coughs> excuse me, they called him the guy who lifts us up, who, who backs us, who's in your corner. Do you know to encourage somebody is to put courage into them? And you know, one of our jobs as, as preachers is to put courage into your spirit that God's going to use you, that God's for you, that God has a plan for your life. He wants to lift you out of where you are and take you to a greater place in God and in the goodness of Jesus. And, and I believe that as the church, especially the Pentecostal church of which I've given my life to serve and and am crazy Pentecostal and love all of those things. I look at the life of Barnabas and think the Bible didn't open and say he is full of the Holy Ghost. The first thing people said about him is he's an encourager and, he, and, and he's a good man. And I believe that when we're filled with the Spirit, that stuff should accompany it. And I'll talk to you about that. In, in just a moment, but I want to look at this idea of goodness. He was an encourager. You know, he doesn't get credited, Barnabas. We, we've never heard one of his sermons. 
There's nothing in Scripture saying of the great miracle stories of Barnabas. We didn't see him moving in signs and wonders. We never saw him preaching great words that have been documented that we preach from. We, we don't draw a lot of theology from Barnabas. But what we do know is that everyone around him saw the goodness of God in him. He picked up fallen people. He picked up Mark, who had been ostracized. He stood with Paul, who was a murderous killer, and used the credibility he had and, and lent it to him to encourage him. He was generous. He, he gave portions of his land to raise money for the poor and, and for the church. And he was an encourager. He was a good man, the Bible says. And that word good means to be of benefit. It was beneficial to have him around. Can I ask you this this morning? Do, do we as a people, are we a benefit to those that we come in contact with? Is somebody going to benefit because they're your friend? Are they going to benefit? Because, and I'm not talking about use you up. I'm talking about benefiting because they see the goodness of God in your life, and there's something that's on you that is a blessing to the world around and about you. I pray that that's how it is with me as a, as a pastor, as a leader, as a friend, as a husband, as a father, as a, as a whatever. Uh, I, I just believe that God, uh, I, I believe that God's hands on my life to be a benefit to other people, but not because I'm anything different to anyone else. I believe that's what we should be as the people of God, is people who are a benefit to the world around and about us. And, uh, and you know, he's such a benefit. Even the Bible calls him a good bloke. I mean, that's, that's a, great, a, great, a great statement of faith. You know, the Bible talks about Stephen, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. Never said he's a good man. Not that he was not a good man, he's an awesome man. But the Bible just describes his character in the book of Acts as a man of the goodness of God, a man of the Holy Spirit, a man of faith, and people that got around him their life, we, everyone was better because of him. I pray that everybody's better because of you. I think sometimes we preach messages uh, in church. Let's be people of influence. We've got to influence our world. I think you would be amazed at the level of influence that you would find if you just started by being kind, by being good. I tell you, if you really want influence, be generous. Everybody loves free stuff. It's true. You start buying people lunch, you'll never go without people to hang out with for lunch. You might be lonely, shout someone food. <laughs> I'll come. I love a free feed. They're the best. They say there's no such thing as a free lunch. I beg to differ, friends. I've had, had plenty. A good man. The Bible says that he was full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Spirit. I really do believe that when you come in contact with the power of God, that there should be goodness that comes out of you. I've been around people. I've, I've grown up in Pentecost, you know. I've had people come up to me and say, uh, I don't like that person. Why is that? You know, I've, I've got discernment. Can I tell you, discernment and the gifts of the Spirit should never be a, an excuse for us to not like someone. 
uh, discernment. For me, if you discern that something's up, by the way, discerning of spirits is not being able to judge somebody's character. Discerning of spirits is actually know what the spirit realm, what's happening there. Uh, and some people just judge people and say it's discernment. Even if you pick something up in the spirit, if God has given you that insight, he's given you that insight to pray for them, to love them, to lift them up, to get around them. So if God's trusting you with a lot of opinions about how people are living, you better be stepping into a love walk that carries and undergirds what you think you know. Because I don't want to be the kind of Christian. I've been burnt by so many Christians uh, my whole life. And I plan to be burnt by a whole lot more. Why? I'd rather be that guy that just sees the good in people and think, yeah, that guy's awesome. Everyone else is going, no, he's a lunatic. No, he's amazing. No, 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 he's now wanted for murder. Okay, I believe you. But the point that I'm trying to make is I want to be around people. And I want them to sense the goodness of Jesus. And if the Holy Ghost is on me, and I talk about the Holy Ghost all the time, we need the Holy Spirit. We need His touch. We need His power. But, but it should still equal the blessing and the favor of God. It should equal us being kind to other people. I know it's not as exciting as preaching faith or preaching prosperity or preaching all the heavenly blessings of God. But if we as a church would work on the goodness of God, and be kind. Speak well of those that are in our life. Reach out to others and open our homes and be kind and make room and love one another. I, I believe we'd see so much more in our own personal joy. Some of us are lonely. We're lonely, lonely, lonely. And, 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 uh, and we believe in God for people to be around us, but we're, we're, we're not kind. We're not generous. Can I tell you, generosity is one of the most beautiful things. We talk about it all the time. Donna and I live and die by this. I tell you, generosity is an amazing thing. And, and we know that he was a generous man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he was full of faith. God anointed him. God anointed him to have such a faith that he was able to conceive greatness or perceive greatness in people who everybody else had written off. He took a terrorist like Saul, discipled him, and he became Paul. That's a pretty big deal. That's a great gift to see. Can you imagine Barnabas going, guys, <laughs> I've invo- I'm inviting a guest speaker. Who is it? The guy, that st- the guy that has killed members of your family for preaching the gospel. But you might be sitting here today and, and, and you, you know, you've been through some tough stuff. Imagine coming to church and I bring in a guest speaker that literally killed a member of your family for the sake of the gospel. It wouldn't even be acceptable. It wouldn't even be okay. It wouldn't be right. But Barnabas so released something in broken people that God turned it around. And the worst enemy of faith becomes our greatest hero of faith and doctrine in the word of God. Wow. And then, and then <laughs> Paul and, and, and Barnabas, they, they struggled. They didn't work too well together in the end. They separated. But, but, at the, uh, but then Mark, Paul couldn't deal with Mark. And so what happens, Barnabas picks up Mark and, and, and gives him a go and, and believes in him and, and sees a call of God on him and, and takes him into ministry and sees a hand of God. 
I want to be like that. I want our church to have a Barnabas spirit about it. That when people come in that have been messed up or have got it wrong, we, we don't look at what they've done because you're not what you did. You're, you're not, <coughs> too often we define ourselves by a moment. We, we define ourselves by, I did this and forever. This is the label I wear on my forehead. I am this. No, you're the righteousness of God. You are a new creature. Behold, everything becomes new. And the truth is, as a church, I believe we need to lift people up out of the stuff and say, God, would you use people and give them a new beginning? I believe in the grace of God. This is a, a grace-filled church. If you come in lonely, you come in broken, you come in messed up, you come in jaded, you come in carrying all kinds of stuff, stuff. I pray you would walk into a church where people love you for who you are because God does it. And we see the call of God and your tomorrow is better than your yesterday. In the name of Jesus, if you believe it, can you say amen? He had faith to conceive goodness in others. I'm just doing my introduction here. We'll get into the body of the message. He had faith in giving. I told you that he sold his land and laid the money at the apostles' feet. We would love it if you sold your land and laid the money here and be fantastic. That's why I really believe that everybody needs Barnabas spirit. (laughs) Barnabas was a man of generosity. He was a man of kindness. He was a man who released the potential in others. Took Mark, the Bible said, and went. And that word went. The Bible says he took Mark and went. After Paul had ditched him, he took Mark. And the word, the word went means to associate with oneself. He would put his credibility on the line and associate with people who really had lost their way. And I pray that I don't want this church to ever be built on just talented people who have never been through anything. They've just had it easy. Give me some broken, messed up people. Do we have any broken, messed up people ever? You've, you've, you've hit a wall a few times. You are lying. I, can, I know most of you. I, some of you are like, no, not me. I see the halo on your head. It's, you're telling fibs. How many have ever been through something and ever thought maybe, can God ever use me? Let me tell you, God looks for people that have been belted up, messed up, broken. Why? Because he can get the glory. The Bible says in Corinthians that God uses the foolish things of the world, of this world, to confound the wise. Somebody say Foolish. That word foolish is where we get the, it's a Greek word morenos from which we get the English word moron. And I don't want to be unkind. I'm not calling anybody a moron in here. But I thank God that he can take, he can take people who have just, the world rejects and says they can't be anything. They can't do anything. And there's no, I love how God can take someone who's a little wee bit of a moron and say, you know, I can do something with their life. Are there any people in here that would say you're talking about me? I feel like God can use it. He can use a moron like Dave Hall and, and put the hand of God on him and, and, and used to preach the gospel all over the world. If God can use me, he can use anybody because I know me. But I can tell you when you say, God, I just want to be full of your spirit, full of your goodness, full of your God. It's amazing what God can do. How much harder do I have to work to get a hand of applause or something for Jesus? Snaps for the Lord. Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. The term good man is found in both Old and New Testament. 
And it means literally or morally valuable, virtuous, a better man, honest man, worthy man, well-favored man. These are the attributes that God gives to someone the Bible calls a good man. I want to give you some thoughts this morning on goodness. I, I want to be a man of goodness. <laughs> if, the good, if, if God's goodness is following me, I want to follow after God's goodness. I want goodness. I want the goodness of God flowing out of my life to people that I meet around the place, talk to them. You know, I talk to people all the time. They ask, what do I do? I say, I'm a pastor. You don't look like a pastor. I say, what's a pastor supposed to look like? I, I, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what they think pastors should be like or, or talk like. Or Some people say, I'm a Christian. I go to church and people look at you like, you, you go, what a compliment. But I don't know what they think Christians look like. But let's, let's change the narrative. because You know, I don't want to be the kind of church that marginalizes people. Do you know, I, I got friends that are walking down certain pathways and I, I wouldn't think of the path. Pathways I'd I'd want them to walk down in 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 their decisions or or maybe who they who they've chosen to love or all of those things. But you know, a lot of those guys who have a very soft heart to God would never walk back into a church because the church has hurt them. The church has told them, "Oh, well, you're just this, you're just that." I want. And I'm not being controversial. I, I believe what I believe the Bible says, but I want a person of every gender, every uh, inclination, every orientation, every race, every tribe, every tongue. I want people to know that when you walk into Life Point Church, you can be you can be a total mess. You can be living in total victory, but come as you are. Too often we try and add so much fine print to salvation and say so you can't get saved unless you get this right, this right, this right. Now I don't want you to visualize it because it's weird, but let me tell you, if I decided I'm going to take a bath, I'm not going to have a bath before my bath to get ready for the bath. The bath is the bath. And too often we tell people you got to clean up to be good enough for Jesus. No, you don't have to clean up to be good enough for Jesus. You'll never be good enough for Jesus. Just come as you are. Get filled with His presence. He'll clean you up. He'll wash you clean. He'll give you a new beginning. And church, can we? I don't, I don't want our groups to talk about which sin, whether it's this one or that. Let's just talk about Jesus. I believe in sin. I believe sin will send you to hell. But I can tell you, we're not here to preach what sin and da and da 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 da. We'll address sin. We'll talk about it. But we've always got to talk about sin through the lens of the love of Jesus and and see people wash clean and set free and delivered. The church has been too grumpy. The church has marginalized people. Church stops being taken seriously because we've lost our goodness. Jesus would say, hey, get over here. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I've got a better day for you. I've got victory for you. And you know something, in a, in a church like this, we've got people that would fit in every statistic. And we've got to be careful. Let's not be people who are judgmental. Because or, or, you never know who you're talking to. You never know who you're talking to. Let's just be people. If we just let the goodness of God, some of us have to remember that we are not the Holy Ghost. If someone asks you a direct question, says, is this okay? Is this wrong? You've got to say what you believe the Bible says. Absolutely. But can I say, let's be people that show the love of God. My dad was an alcoholic. He was a school teacher. He was a mess. He was away from God. And he went to a CRC church and a pastor called Hans Vortman put his arm around dad and said, God bless you, brother. And dad said he felt the power of God hit him from his head to his toe and he knew that God was real. So then when he walked into Paradise Church in 1974, Clemson Church, all Pastor Andrew had to do was give somebody an opportunity to get saved and he ran down the front. Why did he run down the front? Because he had felt the goodness of God. And, and I want to tell you, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. 
That's what the Bible says. Now, some of you, I don't want you to think, is David getting soft on sin? No, I'm old school. I believe you've got to live right and live pure and live under the grace of God. But do you know something? None of us are that good. I try so hard, but I fail, but God's good. And so I believe we've got to be people of the goodness of God. And I want to give you some thoughts on goodness this morning while we move quick. Number one, number one, some thoughts on goodness. Are you ready? We've got to live in the goodness of God. Number one, goodness follows God's leading. The Bible says, Psalm 37, 23, the, good, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Good man chooses to be led by God. Circumstances can lead us and lead us in all kinds of places. We can react, we can follow circumstances, or we can follow the goodness of God, the goodness of Jesus. And the goodness of God leads us. Can I say, as as the people of God, if we would walk with our steps ordered by God, we'd walk in the right direction for our life. And it's so important that we don't just seek our own will, our own stuff, but we say, God, would you lead us? Would you guide us? And we walk in the goodness of God. I believe that's so important for us. I want to keep moving because I've spent a long time on the beginning and I want to just get everything out today. (coughs) Number two, goodness is a help to others. So when goodness is working in our life, we will be a help to others. A good man, you could say, will be a help to other people. Psalm 112, a good man shows favor and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. He's not focused on his own needs, rather. He's focused on the needs of other people. As a church, we've got to be others focused. We've got to, we've got to care about the needs of the person sitting next to us. You know, you just don't know people's stories. You just don't know what people are walking through on any, any given Sunday. The person next to you could be facing all kinds of storms, facing all kinds of challenges, facing all kinds of pain, facing all kinds of attack. Sometimes we walk past, yes, God bless you, hallelujah. Do a, do a good churchy hug and smile, God bless. We've we got to be a people who genuinely care about what other people are dealing with in their heart and in their life. I I pray that I would never get callous to the needs of other people. Otherwise, we we lose our our, our heart and our passion. I preached recently in a church, and I'm not saying this to to exalt myself, uh, because I don't believe that any pastor or preacher, I don't believe the significance of what they do is based on who they've been lucky enough to preach for. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I'm not praising myself, but I preached for David Sumrall in Manila just a few weeks ago. And I spent the day with him. And you know, this man, this is what he gets his staff to do. It's pretty crazy. Uh, no, on their birthday, and he sends them into the slum for an hour just to be a blessing to others because the gap between where middle class and lower class is, is, is a chasm. So they would never, ever lose their thankfulness for what God does. And this pastor was talking to me and he, and, he, and he said, you know, whenever I'm starting to feel insecure, whenever I'm feeling, you know, competitive or worried about the church down the road, I get in my car and I drive to those slums and I feed kids. And I said, how often do you do it? He said, oh, at least, at least a couple of times a month. And he says, why? He says, because when I get back to that place, he says, it brings everything back into perspective because ministry ultimately is about 
other people. So I caught up with him and he said, do, do you want to spend the day together? We, we had a day, sort of a quiet day because the conference was starting that night. So I said, I'd love to. So we spent the day together. We went to Starbucks in the morning, had a good time. And he said, look, <coughs> I've got a lot to do. Do you want to just hang and we'll do it? I said, yeah. He said, well, I've got to go and pray for Bert in hospital. So we go to hospital and pray for Bert. Bert was unconscious. So I don't know if Bert ever knows that I went in there and prayed as well, but he better. Someone better tell Bert. But there's Bert. We went in and prayed for Bert. And then we went and ministered to some people in the church, got involved in the feeding program. Can I tell you, I, the meetings were fine. That's not what impacted me at all. It was just being around people. Mind you, we were around people here too. I don't want you to get me wrong. Absolutely, we're there for people. We go to hospital visits. We do all that. It's my job. But the point that I'm trying to make is goodness is far less about the meetings. It's, about, it's less about being known. It's less about all of those. It's actually about getting down and looking after God's people and serving one another. It goes for all of us. When's the last time we did something well beyond ourselves? When's the last time we looked after somebody because we just had a sense of purpose and a sense of need in our heart and in our life. I want to encourage you, goodness, goodness is a help to others. Do you believe that this morning? Number three, I love this because this is, this is something that God's been speaking to me. I've shared a little bit about this before. Number three, goodness leaves an inheritance. Can I tell you, if we're, if we're going to be people who are good men, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now that doesn't mean mum and dad, you cut your kids out. It means we leave something for the generations to come. <coughs> I look at this church. I look at the offering that we've all given. What have we done? We've left an inheritance for our children's children. You know, a lot, well, there's senior pastors of this church who are now with the Lord who, who did some work here that are now impacting not only me, but they're impacting my children. They're impacting the people around and about us. We've we got to realize that what we do has to be generational and goodness sees the blessing of God passing from one generation to another. And is, that, is it wrong to believe God for your house to be paid off? No, it's biblical. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? I know it gets quiet in here because people think when you talk about money, you're not, you're not preaching the Bible. It's not true. Bible addresses money. Uh, uh, one in four verses in the New Testament deal with money, just so you know. Money's biblical. We talk, God talks about it. I mean, the first murder in the offering was, uh, in, the, in the Bible was about an offering. I mean, money. The uh, first miracle in the Bible is a miracle of provision. And so we talk about this. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. What I do, what I save, what I accumulate, obviously I give to the kingdom of God. But I'm not just doing this for my sons. I'm doing this for my sons' sons or daughters or whoever comes because that's part of what God has said in his word. Goodness thinks generationally. As a church, I, I don't want a church that's just a young church. I know these people, you know, that conversation goes around the place a little bit. Get, you know, I hear about it and David doesn't care about the young people. Well, that's just that's almost unfair if you, if you know Ah, where I live in my heart, the only, the only people I go to for advice really are old people. Sorry, Pastor George and Pastor Keith, but they're not that old. But can I tell you, as a church, I've never ever wanted this church to be a church of just people my age and younger. It's so far from who I am. I believe the Bible's so clear. A church for Abraham, Isaacs, and Jacob. Sometimes I get frustrated when the Abrahams are mad because we're trying to reach the Jacobs. 
But I get frustrated when the Jacobs think it should just be about the Jacobs and not the Abrahams. You know, as a church, there is give and take because if we do things the way we did 30 years ago, we'd, ha- we'd have old overhead projectors, we'd have banners on the walls and, and, and it's not going to look like a progressive 21st century church. But at the end of the day, I believe as a church, we have to be generational. That means all generations giving and taking, caring. See, I, <coughs> you know, we, we can do church one way, but how do we save grandkids if we, if we do church one way? Or if we do church one way, how do we reach Nana and Papa? How do we reach young families if we don't build playgrounds and all? Are, are you following what I'm saying? We, we actually have to be a church that meets all of those things. And, and sometimes a song might not be your favorite song, but I, I want to make sure our church has the sound of what God's doing today. And so we're trying to be all things to all men that we may reach some. And so goodness is about us being a multi-generational church, thinking in our own life, in our futures, in our finances, in the way we do life. Let's, (laughs) excuse me, I've got to quit smoking. God help us. (laughs) Pastor Keith and I are trying to quit together. I've been good this week. He fell off the wagon this morning. I saw him out the side, uh, just having a durry just before church. Now, I'm nearly done. Maybe if Mitch, if, if Mitch can come. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. The goodness of God needs to flow out of us. Let's as a church be a, a church for all generations. We see the goodness of God. We see the good. Are you happy this morning? Oh, there's so much more I want to say, but I'm definitely going to say this because I've already started saying it, really. I've introduced it. Number four, goodness comes from being full of the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible talks about, in Galatians 5, I'm going to turn there myself. You don't have to turn there. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to have a look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Somebody say the fruit. Now, it doesn't say fruits. It's the fruit. These are all the elements that make up one characteristic of a godly person. The fruit of the Spirit is what is? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that'll convict anybody, won't it? Because I'm, re- I'm really good on some of them. I'm good with gentleness. I'm quite gentle. Self-control. I was preaching at Glen Berto's church about a month, two months ago, and the guy that picked me up, I said, what do you do for a living? He says, I make cheesecake. He says, do you want to try my cheesecake? I said, no, brother, I'm on a diet. He said, but you've never had my cheesecake. I said, bro, I'm on a diet. I could feel myself caving every time he asked. I'm like, and he goes, I said, oh, we don't have time. We would never be able to get there. He says, I have them in an esky. I said, just shut up and give me the cheesecake. I said, I'm going to have one bite. Four slices later. And I'm not talking about Mickey Mouse little church potluck slices. I'm talking about a silrapa Oh, gee, there's the anointing of God, finally. You know, so we get to the meeting that night and there's all these other speakers and he brings in more cheesecake. And I said to these brothers, have you had the cheesecake? And they're all like, Chad Veach is one of the speakers. He goes, no, man, I've got a pool party in Hollywood on Friday. He said, I can't have a cheesecake. You don't know what Hollywood's like. I said, I said sorry, what was that? Uh, you've never had anything like it in your life. I actually felt backslidden as I was eating it. I don't have... I don't have it all working, but goodness. I want to see the goodness of God. Can I tell you, there's nine gifts of the Spirit. And there are nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. I heard 
And I could be wrong. And no doubt before I even finish it, somebody's going to do research. But I heard that a dove has nine bones in each wing. And it might be like nine key feathers, I can't remember. And nine in the other. And a lot of Christians, they want the nine gifts, but they don't want the nine fruit. But then there's those that want the nine fruit. Oh man, we have the fruit. I have self-control. I'm totally unanointed, but I have self-control. And what we do, then you get the people who are strong in the fruit of the Spirit. They're going, it's not about the power of the Spirit, it's about the fruit of the Spirit. And then there's the revivalists over here going, no, it's about the power. Fruit's important, but you can do both. No, you need both wings. If you've only got one wing, the dove's just going to fly in circles all the time. We've got to have that balance of living in the goodness of God, living with kindness, living with grace. And on the other side, living with the power, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let's not elevate one or another. Let's just say, I want all that the Holy Ghost has got. I want the cheesecake. I want the power. I want, I want the touch of the Holy Spirit working in my life. In the name of Jesus, the gifts, the power, the anointing, the fruit, the attitudes, the attributes of goodness. I'm done. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. Can I tell you, if you get a hold of this, we as a church, we wouldn't have to do Jericho marches around Tea Tree Gully to win souls. We'd reach people. Some of us, we've got all the friends in the world, but we've got no family that talk to us because we're nice here, but we're mongrels to them. You know, I know people who no, one, no one's left in their life and they blame everybody else. Can I tell you, if you've fallen out with everybody in your life, examine your own heart. You know, I'm not saying that rule applies to everybody, but we've got we to walk in reconciliation. We've got to fix things. We've got to make things right. Sometimes goodness can be summed up in one word to somebody saying, I'm sorry. Sometimes goodness is just picking up the phone when you're trying to see how long it's going to be until they ring. I've said it many times that is it worth always being right at the expense of having friends and having people in your world? I'd rather be wrong sometimes. I'd much rather be wrong and go, sorry about that, be my friend. And be, nope, I'm always right. I find people who are always right, their phone doesn't ring. People aren't, you know, if I said, what do you look for in a friend? I look for people that are always right. Have you ever thought that? I need need a friend who's always right and quite arrogant about that fact. Never. No, I look for people that are kind, that get it wrong. You know, our staff, it's almost, I enjoy it too much, you know, because we all get along, we work together. But there's a sense of, you know, we mess up, but we fix it. Come together, we make things right. Nobody's sitting there being superior to other people. And you know, I pray that that flows through the entire life of our church, into our families, into our world. You might need need to be somebody that just says, you know what, I need to walk back in the goodness of God. I haven't been a little bit, it's a little bit difficult. Let God soften you today. That's all I've got. I'm done. I did my best. Finished. That's all.